Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today, we'll dive into the movies of Tom Hanks and talk email. Plus, we watch MASH and our countries go head-to-head with trivia. It's time for a Top 3 Turf War. We've talked about another Tom on this podcast and his favorite movies, so I thought... What if we talked about the biggest Tom in movie history? And that is, of course... Mr. Tom Hanks, America's sweetheart. Exactly! You know, he's done everything. I actually looked at his IMDb page. He has 87 actor credits to his name. And you kind of feel like he'd have more when you think about it. But we are only concerned with the top three on either of our lists. Ivana, what is your number three Tom Hanks movie? My number three Tom Hanks movie is an animated film, Toy Story. All right, we'll talk about that later. My number three movie is Apollo 13. Oh, great movie. Oh, I love that movie. It's Ron Howard directed. And, you know, when you sit down to watch that movie, you really go through an event. That's true. You're always wondering if they're going to make it back, I find. Yeah, and I'll be honest, like, I didn't know anything about Apollo 13 until I saw that movie. Me too. It wasn't like the Neil Armstrong story or or anything about the first time they got, you know, they were really excited to get there. And then they had that malfunction. And it's like, this is a big malfunction in space. What do we do to get them back? I I love that story. What do you? How do you think it stacks up against um, that Mars one with Matt Damon? That's a very good question because, uh, I think Apollo thirteen's better. I think Apollo thirteen is better. Uh, I I do like the Martian, but yeah, Apollo thirteen has more love for me. I agree. I think. Um, Especially when you were talking about the malfunction in space. I mean, The Martian is all about a malfunction in space. And I, the one big like critique I had with that movie was that it felt too much like Deus Ex Machina fixing everything for them. That's right. And in this movie, they have to rely on Houston to kind of give them direction on how they're going to fix it. Like they're working. You really get an idea that they're working together. Exactly. All right, my next one, and I'm very excited to say this, uh, is it's a great movie. I think a lot of people think it's overrated. I don't think so. And that movie is Forrest Gump. All right, Forrest Gump. I don't think this movie is overrated. I think it's a little bit manipulative in that Spielberg kind of way. Like it really, really tugs at your heartstrings at parts. Um is it a Spielberg movie? Well, it's a Zemeckis movie. So it's Robert Zemeckis. Okay. So it's it's similar in in because they, they they're good friends. And I, I just think like all the found footage is amazing. But I think that gives you a certain feeling. I, you know what this movie does really well is puts you in the time it's in. Yeah, like okay, I don't know about you, but I watched it fairly recently, and the special effects of stitching tom hanks into the found footage still holds up it's really it's completely well like you would not know that he wasn't there in fact when i watched this movie the first time when i was a kid i was like wow i can't believe that this actor was doing all these things and then they made a movie about it that was scripted i know it's so good i i don't have any real bad things to say about forrest gump i just think there are some movies in Tom Hanks' list that, that score higher for me, and that's that's the only reason, because Tom Hanks does have a lot of great films. Um, Forrest, Gump's did, Forrest Gump did hit my honorable mentions. Uh, I just couldn't make it top three. Um, but so much iconic things came out of that, and it's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. I love the way that this movie is a love story and a sentimental one at that, with the history in America. And I think that is so cool. And he is fundamentally just a regular Joe American living the American dream. There's a charming way that he stumbles into his fortune. There's a charming way that he loves the same girl his whole life. There's a charming way that he doesn't really understand why people have so much hate in their hearts. And I think that 
Forrest Gump as, as a figure, someone that we could all look up to and someone that we could all strive to be a little bit more like. Really? Like we yeah. all, in which, wait a minute, we all can be a little bit more like the bumbling Forrest Gump? I mean, I like his pure heart. Is that what you mean? That's what I mean. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that he doesn't have hate in his heart. He leads with love. That is totally fair. And you know, the thing is, I kind of feel like it's a repu- uh, like a Republican kind of film. So maybe we all have to go back and just watch Forrest Gump again. All right. What's your next one? Well, you talked about it in your third and mine is Toy Story. Toy Story. The first Toy Story. Tom Hanks does such a wonderful job keeping all the characters together. He is the... If he doesn't work, if Woody doesn't work, this nothing's going to work. Agreed. And I know when you see Toy Story, you don't necessarily immediately think, oh, right, Tom Hanks. But if anyone else is doing that voice, it's not going to work. He's just wonderfully expressive. You really, like, know every emotion that comes out of him. And, And the foil against him and Tim Allen, I mean, come on. That is a relationship. It was hard. I was trying to balance Toy Story 3 or the original Toy Story, and I had to go with the original Toy Story. I knew you would be. Of course, because, you know, Toy Story 3 still has some of the, like, the weird offshoot crazy stories that Toy Story 2 has. Uh, Like, Buzz gets goes into Spanish mode in Toy Story 3. Sort of like the side plot in Toy Story 2 where he meets his dad who's, you know, Emperor Zerk. (laughs) That weird, crazy storyline. But Toy Story is really rooted in a very small story between I am being replaced. And everybody yeah. has that moment in their life where they feel like there's someone who's replacing them. For sure. It's totally primal. And it's something that children and grownups all can relate to. Absolutely. And, and remember, in the in the end of that film, they are best friends. And I, I, I love the story. I love the message. Uh, I love to, I don't think it works without Tim Allen either, but I think Toy Story, you know, at the end of Toy Story 3, you get that great, that great Woody plot line with Andy for their, I'm not even going to say it guys, because seriously, I'm like tearing up just thinking of that final play. Like I've taken a minute here because I genuinely, I, like, it's so <laughs> sad. The last play with Woody. That's Tom, that's Tom Hanks gave you that character, guys. Let's I mean, there on. is a Toy Let's Story four coming out, out, you know, and I, I gotta say, I know you, you have the big feels for Toy Story three. I have the big feels for Toy Story one. Toy Story three seems a little bit repetitive to Toy Story one. I know it's about passing things along and saying goodbye, but. I don't know. Maybe I can just do that better than than the people in the movie can. Also, I really hated the plot. I hated the whole part of the movie where they go to that um, the daycare. Pen. Yeah, the daycare. Hated it. I didn't. If that was maybe taken out of the movie, I would have liked it more. Totally fair. I uh, sorry, I wasn't talking because I was actually like drying my eyes because I I got for real. I got a little choked up thinking of a toy story three <laughs> holy shit oh god okay it's okay so, that's happened to me when i was thinking about up so right pixar, everybody has a pixar film where that can happen to them let's go on to number one please <laughs> all right my number one pick is definitely not gonna choke you up okay uh, good. and it is a league of their own i think this is the best tom hanks movie what a great movie it's such a good movie. It's funny. It's subversive. It's exciting. And like all sports movies, it shows a great tale that everybody can get behind. A League of Their Own. I Do you remember where you were when you first saw A League of Their Own? No, I was too young. But I do remember the one of the last times I saw it. And it was uh, with my closest girlfriends. It was after a night of craziness and we were all together having like this sleepover to say goodbye before we all moved to different places and not all but many of us and um and we just watched it together and I thought of them and every time I see the movie now I think of them oh that's such a beautiful little story that's like a great memory story actually that's attached to a movie I I would I don't have that it was uh I went to see it with my best friend in grade eight and we went to the movie theater and we saw it 
and we both liked it. And then we came home. Uh, and then I saw it again, probably 10 years later. Like that was like, yeah. I don't, your, your story is way, way better. And I totally respect and love that that story is attached to your number one Tom Hanks story. I, are you getting teared up? You're getting teared up thinking of that story. I, you know what? It's bad too. This morning I woke up and I, I watched a new Netflix movie, um, about, about girlfriends in high school. And so I've spent the whole morning feeling nostalgic for my girlfriends. Now, the, A League of Their Own was my girlfriends from university, but still I'm just feeling very loving and nostalgic for my girlfriends. They're such great people. That's so awesome. Uh, mine, my number one isn't attached to a memory. It is, uh, I have, I'm on record by saying this film is a masterpiece. It is five stars, five stars. Uh, we watched it in a movie club and about eight of us gave it five stars. And that is saving private Ryan, uh, saving private Ryan, Steven Spielberg. There's not a lot else I can say about this film. I think I've talked about it on the podcast already, but the, the, from the opening scene, which everybody gets drawn up, like hung up on to, uh, the rest of the film being this sort of banding together of these these brothers in arms and you feel like you're there. It is, it, it is the forties. You are with them. You're going into war with them. You, uh, there's no other film I've ever watched that makes me feel more connected to world war two than that film. It's the first thing I think of when I think of the war, it's God, sad, awful movie in parts, uh, and it's triumphant in parts. The Matt Damon story always gets me when he's talking about his brothers, his brothers who have all died in the war. And he's talking about it was like one of the last nights before they left. And one of the brothers was up up in the loft with a girl who nobody thought was very pretty. And they were kind of spying on him. And then they yelled, don't do it. You got too much to live for. And like, it just, it was a very funny off the cuff story. I think Matt Damon improvised the story too. I think there's a, a thing about, he just went off on it and it's just a lovely, I love that film. I, I mean, if I'm talking World War II movies, Spielberg saving private Ryan and Spielberg Schindler's list are the two things I think of. And when I think of Tom Hanks, I immediately think of, uh, you know, the captain and, and, that is uh, that is Tom Hanks in the film. Sorry, one I, day, I just ran. One day I'm going to... No, I, I loved it. Um, one day I'm going to watch this movie. You know how I feel about uh, war movies. We'll pick a time where we make it, the movie that we're going to talk about, but we have to make sure it's a time that I'm with Blake because I think Blake would kill me if I saw it without him. Uh, Becky is a war nut, so we watched it together and like she, you know... It's, it's, it's great. And it's what inspired band of brothers, like them working, Tom Hanks and Spielberg working on that together, inspired the HBO series to continue to work on band of brothers together in a production role. So there you go. Anyway, we've got to make a list out of these excellent, excellent Tom Hanks films. I, I think Saving Private Ryan is a masterpiece. I'm I'm gonna argue. Yeah, I'm it, fine with that. One. Every everyone I know talks about this movie. I hate war movies, and so I have not seen it. I'm fine to give that number one if A League of Their Own gets number two. I'm okay with that. And then Toy Story number three. Yeah, I'm good with that. Perfect. That was the easiest thing in the world. Don't you feel so good <laughs> on this on this Sunday recording? We're just we're we're in sync. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's count this down. Number three, Toy Story. Number two, A League of Their Own. And the number one Tom Hanks movie is Saving Private Ryan. I've got only two or three honorable mentions. Yeah. Philadelphia. Okay, I, that was, I, I have two honorable mentions and then... Two on movies I really need to see. Um, and then two that you already talked about, Forrest Gump and A League of Their Own. What are your need what are your needs to see? Besides Saving Philadelphia. Private Ryan? Oh, Philadelphia, okay. And Saving Private Ryan is not one. I will watch it one day. Sure. Um but it it is like, 
you know, I'll have to be dragged kicking and screaming to that one. The other one is the Burbs. I've always wanted to see the Burbs. You've never seen the Burbs. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a, a pretty dark, fun comedy. You should uh, you should check it out. That's right up your alley, and it's your kind yeah. of humor too. Yeah, and then my honorable mentions were, were Apollo thirteen and Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can as well. I mean, Spielberg is really like doing a lot with Tom Hanks recently too with Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. He he loves to latch on to actors just like most directors like to latch on to actors and pull them in. And yeah, those are good. I, I think both of us had very good lists. All right, it's time for our break. And I have a question for you, Ivana. This is something that was rattling around while uh, I was talking to some people. How do you form a new habit? You know what? I just started forming a new habit. What what's your habit? Um so I I sometimes you know like I like to work out but I don't it's not a habit I don't think. It's something I like to do, I try to do, but if my life is busy, I'm pretty easy to put it off. Um so I got this app which I've had for a while but haven't used in a while called Habit Bull. And I decided that I would like set a really like attainable goal. So for the next 30 days, I'm doing 100 squats a day, every single day. Um, And it's really easy. It takes, you know, five minutes out of my life. Um, I don't have to do them all at once, but that is the goal. Um, I'm up to 50 per time. So I have a very small habit. I've never made my bed in my life. Oh, yeah. I hate, I don't even get the concept. Uh, Me neither. So, uh, Becky and I were talking and, and, and we had the idea that we're going to start making our bed. And I was like, okay, sure. How do you form a habit? Which got us into the conversation of, we don't normally do it and we don't normally build habits. So I thought I'd ask you the question, but I will say this. It has been two days since that conversation and that bed has not been made. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to decide how how important something is to you. And I think that, for example, it would be easy for you guys to start with, what if we made the bed on weekends where you have more time? And then that becomes its own thing before you bump it up. There's also a really great book called Smart Change, which I've read, which is all about habit building. Um, I highly recommend it. So if you're interested in habits, check that out. You're plugged in. Mind your manners. This is Tech Ticket. Email is not new tech by any means, but let's be honest, I still use it all the time. Do you still use it all the time, Jay? Every day at work, but I am getting better at not using it at all because I just reformatted my phone last week and I haven't added my email client to it. Wow. All right. Holy shit, right? Holy shit. I don't know how you're doing that because I feel like email is the de facto communication method for work. It is professional. Um, And so especially if you are working with new people, you got to be checking that. But uh, let's talk about this. What are some of the etiquette behind emails? Um, What about email response time? I feel like you got to get an email back by the end of the day. Like that is my goal always with email. Um, if I know I'm not going to get back to you, like for example, right now when we're recording this, I'm in jury duty, which means from nine to five, I am not available. You must have that, that out of office, out of office response saying that you will get back to them after 6 PM or whatever time you get home and are able to respond. Now, what about, what about personal life? Personal life? Uh, I try to get back to people as quickly as I can. Um, same day, usually. Okay. I think email, you have about 24 to 48 hours for a response. Um, it kind of can depend on what the email is that you're getting from someone, whether they need a response or not, or if it's like an FYI kind of email. Um, but I think 48 hours is pretty accurate. And, uh, if it's professional in nature, definitely sooner, like 24 hours, I would say. Yeah. I mean, personal email for sure is a little bit more laxed as well. Um, you know, if you miss an invite to something, uh, you know, that's just, that's what's going to happen. I also have an email address that I use exclusively for spam 
And sometimes people send me stuff there and I I miss it entirely. Oh, people know your spam email. It's like an old email I, that you've mostly retired. That's right. It's an old email that I've retired. I have an out of office on it that says like this is retired. Oh, like, that's cool. Yeah. Like not this is retired, but like, hey, my new email address is here. If you want to find me, come here. And then and I you use haven't it found that stuff. your spam finds you from that out of office? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. That's that is definitely for sure. Lucky. Okay, so let's talk about uh, subject lines. You know, it, if you have a short message, can that just be the email? I think so. I think if it's like super short, like ten to twenty words, you can just make it the email, and then in the email, be like. Either repeat it or like say C subject. Yeah, I like the repeating. So if it's like lunch question mark and then you go into the email, it's still lunch question mark. Yes, I yes, exactly. Sometimes, you know, you just don't want to like, you don't need to go longer. Why bother? I agree. I, you know, sometimes if it's a professional email and it's somebody you talk to all the time, those are the only times you are allowed to do it though like totally like it has to be somebody you would be informal with yeah you can't be like emailing the ceo of of a company being like answer question mark (laughs) (laughs) right exactly uh yeah so i think that it's totally fine as long as you have an open and a a different kind of relationship that's a little more informal and what are the rules like do you follow any subject mat like subject line rules i usually write what it's regarding and then I sometimes I'll put a dash and like be a little more specific. Uh, but for the most part, it's just like this is what it's regarding so that you, you'll have an easier time finding it later. Creating a shorthand for what you're talking about is really important in subject lines. And if it's a reoccurring week of etc., like it's got to have the date in there. Oh, interesting. Even though the email has a date. For example, uh, later today I'll be writing radio tags for all of our primetime shows. I send that out weekly. I always put W slash O April 20th, for example. Gotcha. So that when you're going back through all of the ones that I've sent you, you see a date and you know that's the one that you're using. Ah, I see. I guess that's pretty important when you're like doing lineups and stuff. I always try to like, well, right now I'm in post-production for my short film, Basic Bays. So if it is a Basic Bays email, I try to always have that in there so that if I'm looking for it or if someone else is looking for it, it just pops up on a quick search. Right, because uh, Basic Bays is probably not the only project you guys are all working on. You're working on other projects. Yeah, exactly. Totally makes sense. What about forwarding long email chains? Can I just say, I don't understand why that exists in life or how it's even at all appropriate. Okay, so run this by me. Exactly. Give me an example. Okay, have you ever gotten where someone has been in a conversation and it's usually like professional stuff? I find it's a really like normal thing for workplace people to do. Right. Um, where someone's in a conversation with someone else, it's been going for, let's say, three, four days, and then they forward it to you and then ask you to get up to speed. Like, that's enough information. Oh, I hate that because, one, I don't want my personal conversations that have been with you to be forwarded to anybody. Yeah. And two, uh, can you please just give me the rundown of what actually this is? Exactly, because first of all, you have to first scroll all the way to the bottom, trying to piece together what's going on going up. And emails, like when you, they have that whole thing where like they say who it was sent to and when it was sent and blah, blah, blah. And that interrupts the flow of the conversation. Not only that, I don't know if it's just you, but I find it really difficult to follow those. Like if you're not involved in the conversation, because there's often multiple questions going, Well, it's also, it's their personal relationship. Maybe they've talked on the phone. Maybe they haven't talked on the phone. Maybe they're like brand new, but they're like, they're just, because one obviously is always like one word answers. Yes. One is always like, okay, what about this? And then they like have their response. And then it's like, how does this date work? 
And then it's their response. And then they forward it off to you being like, what do you think? It's like, what do you mean? What do I think? I don't think anything because what the hell is this? Do you want me to spend 20 minutes going through this trying to figure out what you're talking about? No. If you want to loop someone in, it is etiquette for you. Even if you're forwarding and it's appropriate to forward in that situation, summarize what has happened. Yes. Give me the overview. Give the overview. If you need more details, you can see them below. And like, I also get rid, if I'm like forwarding things like that, I get rid of any non-pertinent information. Like I go through the history. I take away the times, the subject lines, the whatevers. And I, and I take away the parts of the conversation that make no sense any longer. Now I have one for you. What about emojis? Is that okay? Can you do it for work? Is it just for personal? Dear God, I hope it's okay for work because I know I am I am a criminal with my my smiley emojis a lot. Yeah, I I'm all about emojis in email, in text, in everything. Honestly, people can misconstrue what you're saying when it's just in text. Exactly. If they're having a really bad day and they are reading something and they think it sounds glib or short, that little emoji of a smiling face really helps to brighten that up. What everybody has to realize is that with the texting era from 98 onwards, we have developed our own new way of saying things and delivering what we're saying in texts. And it is, it, it's now a, a coded way to get across your feelings in a text message. So of course that should apply to email as well because it's happening all the time anyway. And we, we think in that way now, like we're starting to think in, if I write this and don't put an emoji, they won't know I'm joking or being cute or whatever the fuck I'm being. I need to do that so that I can get my message across more efficiently. And that is how work should be more efficient. I totally agree. Um, now I have a question for you because I have a I have a personal preference and I always find it weird when people do it the other way. So there's like actual emojis or like the representations of emotions that you can make with like commas and semicolons and all that crap. Um, so I've been because of growing up in like the MSN messenger days and ICQ, I always use the. Uh, you know, the colon and the the bracket. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't look for the actual emojis. They don't appear in my email uh, at work. So I, I it's kind of my automatic default. I don't mind it in emails, especially if it's like from someone who's working at a company where maybe they don't they don't actually support proper emojis. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I work for that company that doesn't have emojis. So you just you type them in. Right. But. I don't love them. Like, I, I don't really like them. I find them kind of like, I find them annoying to type out. Do you put a space? Do you not put a space? Does it look right? Like, and also a colon is a lot harder to type because you need the shift key over a semicolon, but you're not always winking at people. I like actual little pictures of faces um, and totally off topic. I find it weird when someone sends me like, a punctuation emoji via text message, whereas they could easily just send a picture. I will tell you this right now. Every single one of my emojis I've ever sent to you started as text. Like even if they're, they get sent as a, like a. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm sending you a happy face, I am literally typing in that happy face and then it changes into the emoji and then it gets sent. Okay, this is so weird. I yeah, I've I only really like I like the pictures. I like picking the pictures. I never really like these weird semicolon colon level emojis. But I guess they're fine for work. Um, what about the TLDR emails? Uh, I don't know if I know what you're talking about. Um, so you know what TLDR is, right? I'm going to as soon as you tell me. Uh, too long didn't read. Oh my god, no, I didn't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like a big thing. Um I've I've seen it a whole bunch. I will sometimes write really long 
emails, especially if I'm trying to get across like things for work. And, and so I find the TLDR responses really frustrating. Like I think if someone's it's really rude to tell somebody that you did not respond to their email, but I, I need to just understand how big your email is. Like, are we talking about more than 10 paragraphs? No, no. But I, I try to make it really organized. Like I'll still, I'll, I'll start by writing out my thoughts. And then when it gets to a certain length, um, I reformat it so that there's headings, there's bullet points. You can like, organize the way that the information comes out. If I'm sending you a long email, it's because I have a lot of information to share or that you need to go through. And so I try to make it really easy to go through. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you think that the person you're sending it to isn't going to read it because they got Donald Trump's, uh, attention span, you should say, um, Hey, I've got something like maybe get them on the phone and say, I've got a lot that's coming your way. How do you want me to send it to you? Cause it's going to be in a long email. You know, I don't find, um, for my creative projects, it's a big problem. It's more, you know, those people that like, they're like in corporate America and they're like, I'm too big for this. I want everything in bite size increments. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people in, I don't. I don't have enough time to read things. It's like, no, you do. You just, you just don't want to. So read your emails. And if you don't have time to read your emails, honest to God, you have to tell your direct report that you are being scheduled too thin. Otherwise, nothing will ever happen. Canada. America. Canada. America. Canada. America. Well, you're probably high anyway. All right. We've got a whole bunch of questions we're going to ask each other. Obviously, Canada and America are very different countries. Or are they, Ivana? Uh, You know, before I moved here, I thought they were so similar, but they're different. They totally are. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask generic questions that every country has an answer to, and we're going to see how we answer it. So Ivana will be answering for the United States. I will be answering for Canada. And the first question is, what is your country's official national sport? I believe in America, it's football. I think Canada is lacrosse. All right. What is your country's official national mammal? Right. Every every country has a national animal, but they also have a national bird. Uh, so I am going with the beaver for Canada. I'm going to go with, man, I don't think I've ever known this for the States. Um, the lynx. The lynx. Okay. Next up is what is the country's official national tree? Um, I, I think it's really easy for Canada, actually. <laughs> uh, it's right there in the flag. It's a maple maple tree. All right. Um, it, this is not as easy in the states. Uh, stars <laughs> no, I, are not no. a tree. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say the mighty oak. What is your country's national anthem called? I mean, I've been singing it all my life. It is O Canada. Oh, yeah, that's apostrophe a, Canada. That's a pretty easy one. Um, <laughs> same with the U.S., I think. The Star Spangled Banner. Pretty easy. Okay. What's the next question? What is the country's biggest export? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with metal. Metal metallic products. Or um, copper, um, aluminum. Okay. Uh, and last up, this is our last question for those playing along. What is your country's national bird? I'm going to guess, uh, going with, with the colors of Canada, I'm going to guess a cardinal. Oh, good guess. Good guess. Uh, I'm. This one's pretty easy for America. It is the bald eagle. Bald if that's wrong, eagle. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> Jay and I are going to take a moment, and we'll be back with the scores. All right, we're back with our scores. So, Jay, how do you feel about your answers? Do you think you did well? I think I got at least three. 
Um, like, oh, Canada is definitely it. It could be the beaver or the caribou. So that's that's where I'm. I, I I'm not sure. Um, but I think I got at least three. Oh man, I'm just realizing I should have said the bear. I bet you the bear is the American animal or the buffalo. Anyway, all right, let's get to your score. You got four out of six questions correct. All right, which are the ones I got? What did I get right? Uh, Lacrosse is Canada's national sport. The beaver is Canada's national animal. The maple tree is Canada's national tree. And Seems pretty obvious. Right, of course. Uh, O Canada is absolutely our national anthem. Um, Fresh water is not our biggest export, although I could see how one day it would be. It's actually um, fuels like uh, oil. Like oil, yeah, sure. The Alberta oil field, sure. Right, exactly. And uh, the country's national bird, it actually was only really cemented in 2016, so I'm not surprised you didn't get it. Um, It's the gray jay so not the blue jay but the gray jay okay that's you learn something new every day uh you i'm giving you half a point for one um maybe you'll change your mind when i tell you what it is but you got three and a half points that's not too bad for someone who's new to the states you are new so you thought football i think that's a great guess it is baseball america's pastime oh shit baseball i forgot that that sport even existed (laughs) amazingly when i brought up caribou you did say the actual right mammal for uh the u.s buffalo it's a bison yeah it's a buffalo Okay, yeah, um, because, you know, the prairie times and all that. At the time when you asked the question, I just blanked. Of course. Yeah, I, it totally makes sense, though, uh, that it is the bison. Um, the oak tree is the national animal. Star-spangled yes. banner is the name of the country's national anthem. Yes. The biggest export was your 3.5. You said metal products. Um, actual machines are what... We export the most in the U.S. or you. Wow. Yeah. So like, and mostly like mechanical products like computers. Interesting. I never would have guessed that. Me neither. Uh, And then, yeah, the bald eagle, of course, is the national bird of uh, the United States. So I I think three and a half because you said metal products. And all those metal machines are, their machines they're are made of metal. They're mostly made of metal. Right. I mean, I so. was, I'll be honest with you. I was thinking of the, el- like the, the more raw material stuff. I think that must be a very Canadian answer to think of the raw materials as exports. Because when you think of Canada, you think, you know, you, water, You really think of wood. raw materials. Yeah. Um, metal and, and fuel, really. Lumber. Did you say lumber? I did. Wood. Okay, How much it. wood would a woodchuck chuck or a woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> this is Top Drawer TV. So the first episode ever of MASH, MASH, which stands for the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, aired in 1972. It finished in 1983. It is a beloved show that I had never seen before. Me neither. And yet, one of my first jobs as a writer at a production company, the guys who ran it they were obsessed with the show they kept telling me i needed to watch it finally finally the time is here i'm totally emailing them this show revolves around a bunch of medical professionals who were drafted into the korean war they don't really want to be there but they also want to save lives like any other medical professional would the thing is alan alda who plays Hawka, he's kind of a goofball uh, he's super lovable, scamming on nurses. He's drinking off duty. He's a hardcore surgeon when he's working, but the rest of the time, he cuts loose in true 70s fashion. But he's also a human. So when a Korean helping around the base expresses interest in school in America, Hawkeye sponsors the lad. But it's going to cost a bunch of money. So Hawkeye quickly thinks a party with a raffle 
for a trip to Tokyo with the hottest nurse around, Nurse Dish. I did not make up that name. Yeah, tell me about it. So on the nose. But when their commander gets called away, he says no to the party after originally giving permission. Mostly, in part, because he doesn't want to miss out on the good time. Leaving adult in charge, Hawkeye and friends trank the substitute, wrap him in gauze so no one will find him in bed with the other patients. And the party goes on. The Major gets wind of it, and she calls in for reinforcements, which show up halfway through the party. And that's when a group of wounded Canadian soldiers fly into the hospital, and the team works all night. After seeing how awesome the men are, even after a night of tomfoolery, the general tells their command not to lose these men, and the charges are called off. And that's the episode. Ivana, what did you think of this episode? Um, I have really mixed feelings about this show, if I'm being completely honest. All right, what about well, I want to know all the mixed feelings. So start with, uh, what, what's your biggest mixed feeling? Well, before that, what about you? Did you like it? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, everything about it. It was like Van Wilder and Stripes meets Army Surgeons. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, I loved that. The funniness of it. I love the goofball. I love the antics. I think the fact that everyone was drafted there is adds a really interesting component to everything. Totally. Like these guys, at one point, Hawkeye says, the only mistake I made was opening a letter from President Truman. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that's right. Like the draft was still happening at this time. Like right. it was go, it went well into the Vietnam War, and then it was over. Like they didn't draft anymore. But I was like, holy shit, that that does add a dynamic to this that is interesting because like this is one of the first wars where people genuinely were like, I don't want to be here. Right, exactly. So I I loved all those components, but you know it's 1970s, and it was a little bit hard to watch the blatant like sexual assault happening. I know. I get it. I totally understand. I mean, the way that Alan Alda treats Nurse Dish, I I literally has mouth agape. She's in the shower and he's sneaking up on her. She's looking in the library and he grabs through the stacks at her. I mean, it's like... She's trying to read a book and he is in her chest... And yeah. opens the chest and he's there. <laughs> totally. And and like, and she's constantly telling him no, and he's not listening to it. So it's really there's that element of of this show where it's very 70s and it it doesn't age well for me. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. This is a really interesting thing. And and specifically because I knew you'd bring it up, I would have brought it up eventually too. Um Have you seen the recent episode of The Simpsons that kind of pokes at the problem with a poo? Do you know about the problem with a poo? Yeah, oh, I've read a lot about it, but I did not see the episode. So at one point in the episode, uh, Marge asks, what am I supposed to do? And Lisa turns to the camera and says, it's hard to say. Something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? And then it kind of pans out and you see a photo of a poo and over it, it says, don't have a cow, man. It's similar to that. Like, in my opinion, like when this came out in 1972, people said it was a great pilot. Like nobody thought twice about this sort of thing. And watching it today is very difficult because now we look at this and we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not cool, man. Um, but what what can you do? This is this is a who we were at a certain time in our lives. That's what men grew up with, thinking they wanted to be. We are now only now being able to course correct. Right. I mean, I think that history is filled with these times or like situations that are similar to this. Whether it is. Um, We watched something from Movie Club actually recently that was at the time lauded for being really anti-racist, but I found it really difficult to watch because I thought that it it was like I didn't like the portrayal. There wasn't enough inclusion for you, I think is what you had said. 
it was the inclusion and also the images of uh, the black people and they, they didn't have a big role. What was the movie again? Mississippi Burning. Right, Mississippi Burning. And so I, I forgive MASH in a lot of ways because it was the 70s. It was accepted at the time. It doesn't mean that it was good that that was acceptable at that time. No, it doesn't. It does mean that it happened and I don't have any, like, I cannot go back in time. I cannot change the way that history played out. All I can do is change the future, but I will say that for all the funniness in this show and the stuff that I loved about it, it's hard to watch it today and not feel like what the fuck is happening on the camera. It is, look, it is hard to watch anything today that took place before gay rights were more normalized, uh, before the civil rights movement uh, is still an issue, like police brutality. It's hard to watch anything and see it today and not go, well, this wouldn't fly today. There are a lot of movies that you watch that go, this would not fly today. Right. Um, But it, at that point... The film, the film is still trying to say something about that point in time. TV show. But yes, I totally Or TV agree. show. Sorry, or TV show. So I think that's where I get really these mixed emotions. There are elements of it that I think are great. There is a part of me that wants to forgive the fact that it was the 70s and it was a different time. Um, and I tried to focus on the fact that, you know, Nurse Dish certainly didn't seem upset by anything that was happening you know what i liked that they rigged it so the father won that raffle that that there were those moments too they also had a female be the major in the situation yeah the major the major is a female who they entirely disrespect to like the most level of calling her hot lips like the general calls her major hot lips at one time. Right. Yes, he does. Absolutely. But I think that's, I mean, the, the that level of disrespect to any female, they're, they're totally objectified as, as Entirely. a whole. But I think that there is something to be said for saying that she has power, that she has power over these men. Um, and she's, and, and they put a female in power. So at least that's something. They're not only nurses. Um, so I have a question for you, Jay. Do you think that this show deserves a reboot or is this like jaws like an unrebootable thing it's like saved by the bell it's like all the early 2000 dudes to pick up women womanizer thing i think remaking it now is hard when you don't have a character who is likable when he's doing these things i kind of watching it i want to see this again i want to see it remade for today where it becomes difficult for me is there isn't a draft and that's a big part of what the concept of mash is so and i i don't want to see a 1973 remake of mash i want to see it updated for today's time with like the war the last war we went through oh i see um yeah i mean that would be that would be an interesting story. It's harder to make a comedy, I think, about it because I guess it, it would have been a hard sell to make a comedy about the Korean War, too, and they somehow did it. Absolutely. They had people protesting. People were really – the country was divided the same way that the country is divided now. And I think you can make funny situations out of a lot of things, but one of the keys where this is difficult to remake is that the whole concept there is it was a draft and they didn't want to be there. So. Right. And I think an interesting part about this, this mobile hospital too, is that it's kind of segregated from whatever's happening. Right. Every, everybody who's coming in is getting flown in. So when nobody's flown in, when the patients aren't, there's not a lot of patients. They got a lot of downtime. Right. Um, I think that, that that you would keep. I don't know if that even is still a thing. I don't actually know very much about what it's like. I don't know about hospitals and war and med- medics. And I don't know a lot about it. Me too. I, I don't know about it. But I do know that I would want to see it again. And I wonder, you know, you could probably take the stance of these are smart guys who came from poor families 
And their only way to get an education because of how expensive it is in America is to join the army. So maybe you can play in that angle and let that be your draft. I also think this could be a show that isn't tied to MASH. Like, I don't think you need to name it MASH. Oh, I'd want to name it MASH. I'd want them to be getting under shenanigans. I want, but just update it. Just update it for today's values. But, and let the shenanigans be a little bit, I don't know, more consensual and otherwise let like let that party happen. I love the idea of having a party on a military base. I think that's hilarious. Um, I just don't I'm not 100 percent sold that it needs to be under the MASH heading yet. So do you watch MASH? Have you seen the show? Maybe you've only seen the movie MASH. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it? Let us know uh, and get in touch with us however you want. And find out how in our next part of our segment. (laughs) And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop onto your podcast service, subscribe. And if you're feeling really generous, give us a quick rating or review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Jay and I love hearing from you, and we actually built this website where you can reach us, morethanmovies.net. But in case you hate websites, you can email us at hello at morethanmovies.net. And if you hate email, we're also on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. Or catch either one of us on Twitter directly. I'm at Jester Jay. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next week with an all-new commercial-free episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.